I really, really wanted this game for the Sacramento Kings. The Kings players clearly really, really wanted to get this win, and it just slips out of their grasp. Kings fall in game four here inside the Chase Center, 126 to 125. The series is even two games apiece, and the Kings were one made shot away from going up 3-1. Instead, Harrison Barnes missed the game-winner attempt, but... Harrison is not the reason why the Sacramento Kings lost this game. I'm going to make that very clear in today's episode. Plus, we have to celebrate the emergence of Keegan Murray. I'm like a proud parent, and you are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all postseason long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And Sacramento, I miss you. I can't wait to come home. San Francisco has been wonderful. The weather has been Excellent. Uh, the city has been great. Got to experience some of the nightlife last night. Uh, the Chase Center is gorgeous. But I'm ready for the Golden 1 Center. I'm ready for that Kings crowd for Game 5 coming up on Wednesday. A massive Game 5. And we'll talk about the stakes of that game later on in this podcast. I'm ready to come home to Sacramento. I'm ready to see my kid. Ready to sleep in my own bed. Ready to see my family. Uh, and ready to get back into uh, Kings territory again. It's been a great trip so far. But we were hoping that the Sacramento Kings would wrap up this trip. And they were very close to wrapping up this trip, uh, stealing at least one game on the road and putting themselves in a position to where Game 5 could be a potential clincher at home against the defending champions. That won't be the case. We're guaranteed six games now. I said coming into this series that I predicted this series would absolutely go a minimum six games. I predicted the Kings to win in seven. And as of right now, the way the home teams are winning on their own floor, that prediction is, is well on its way to coming true. But before we dive into tonight's Game 4 loss and breaking this down and talking about Harrison Barnes' missed game winner, and you're going to hear from Mike Brown, you're going to hear from Harrison, you're going to hear from uh, De'Aaron De Fox in this game, I want to take a step back from the Kings fandom, take a step back from Warriors fandom, take a step back from any rooting interest in this series and just look at it from a pure basketball standpoint. We have been treated to a phenomenal series so far. Game three wasn't necessarily the best, right? The widest margin of victory. The Warriors ended up winning that game pretty comfortably. It was low scoring, sometimes ugly to watch. But still, there were great dramatic moments in that game. For the most part, this series has been excellent. It's been the best series in this opening round so far, and it's not even close. And what I like that I'm seeing from interacting with people, just seeing takes on social media, there are a lot of people that maybe came into this series, watching this series outside of Warriors and Kings fandom, just NBA fandom in, in general, that looked at this series and said, defending champs versus a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for 17 years. Okay, the defending champs should win. Like, they were skeptical about how the Sacramento Kings uh, would perform, if the Sacramento Kings truly belonged here. The Kings have made it perfectly clear. They made it clear starting the series going up 2 nothing. but especially with the fight that they showed in this game tonight and how incredibly exciting this game was, they've made it very, very clear they belong on this stage. And that was one of the goals for me for the Kings coming into this playoff series. I knew the Kings weren't going to get swept. I was hoping the Kings would avoid a gentleman's sweep, which is losing in, in five games, which they absolutely uh, will do that. But I wanted the Kings to show that they belonged. 
They absolutely have done that. Now the talk is, you belong, now win the damn series, right? You took a 2-0 lead. You had a chance to go 3-1 here. You're now even two games apiece with the, the defending champs, but you still have home court advantage. It's a best two of three series. Win this series. Get two more wins. Figure it out. It doesn't matter that you're facing the defending champions. This has been just tremendously fun to cover, tremendously fun to watch, and I hope you are enjoying yourselves just purely as a basketball fan. Even in a King's loss, I hope you're enjoying yourselves as much as so many people are. It's really a shame that this was a matinee game. I mean, I, I, the crowd was excellent, the energy was excellent, the game was great, so I guess it didn't matter that much, but this should be the main event every single time these two teams play. It should be the main event every single night, but I know it's for TV reasons and blah, 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 that this was the matinee game. Regardless, this has been a phenomenal series so far, and I'm very much looking forward to Game 5 on Wednesday. All right, let's dive into this game. Kings fans, chill out about Harrison Barnes, okay? I need to make this perfectly, perfectly clear. The Sacramento Kings did not lose this game because Harrison Barnes missed the last shot. The Sacramento Kings did not lose this game because Harrison Barnes only had nine points. I'm telling you, everybody should live with that shot that the Kings got in that last possession. If we're breaking it down, the Kings had 14 seconds remaining Inbounded the, uh, inbounded the ball to De'Aaron Fox way in the backcourt so he could have plenty of room to work, and you could tell he was trying to use his burst and use his speed to get downhill to try and attack the rim. Kings were only down by one, so they only needed a two-pointer. They didn't need a three. I thought, if we're being honest, I thought the Golden State Warriors, but Steph Curry in particular, I thought played excellent defense on the final possession. Harrison Barnes came up trying to set a screen to give uh, give the Kings a switch. Draymond Green played it excellent too. Went to De'Aaron Fox's favorite spot, which is that pull-up elbow jumper, and met Fox there. And the Kings still, in all this, a broken play, no, it wasn't their best guy, their clutch guy, the clutch player of the year, their star, De'Aaron Fox taking that final shot. But Fox still used his reputation and his ability to get the Kings an open wing three for Harrison Barnes, who missed it. He missed it long. Now, in general, I'm not a shooting coach, but based off my understanding, if you're going to miss a shot, you want to miss long. Obviously, you don't want to miss left or right. You don't want to miss short because you had no legs behind your shot. If you miss a shot long, it's on target. It just hits the heel of the iron. That's exactly what happened with this Harrison Barnes shot. It was a good look. It looked good leaving his hands. He just missed it long, and it rimmed out. I'm not here to give you moral victories and say, hey, it's okay you tried, Sacramento Kings, because like Draymond Green said in his post-game press conference, and I know Draymond Green's kind of the villain and maybe Kings fans don't want to hear this and they, maybe they took this uh, personally, maybe Harrison Barnes took it personally, but Draymond Green said you, you got to hit that shot, right? The Kings needed Harrison to hit that shot. Potentially, we could be looking back at the Kings losing this series in six or seven games and say, think back to that shot in game four where the Kings could have gone home to Sacramento up uh, three to one with a chance to put this series to bed. That shot could be the make or break moment for the Kings in the series. We don't know yet. It was still a good look. You live with it every single time. And it would have been poetic in so many ways. To Warrior fans, it was poetic. Because Warrior fans remember the struggles of Harrison Barnes in the playoffs in 2016 and the shots that he missed before the Golden State Warriors replaced Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant. So Warrior fans thought it was poetic. They thought, hey, we've seen this before, Harrison Barnes missing a big three-point shot uh, in the playoffs. I understand those jokes. I understand those comments. 
But I'm saying, I don't care what Warrior fans are saying. From a Sacramento Kings perspective, Kings fans, you can be frustrated that he missed the shot. You could want more than nine points from your starting small forward. You should also want more than two points uh, from Kevin Herter. And you should have wanted more output from Keegan Murray in the first three games. And you should have wanted more defensively from De'Aaron Fox. And you should want more in general from DeMontis Sabonis, who really hasn't looked like himself much in this series. My point is, it's not all on Harrison. Do not put this all on Harrison. He got a good look. It's a look that everybody in that locker room, everybody on that bench, everybody in that coaching staff would take. They can live with it. They can accept it. So you should too. Here's Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, and Mike Brown talking about Harrison Barnes' missed game winner. Great look. I mean, wide open. Process was good. Uh, you know, Fox obviously trusts me to take that shot and, you know, back around it. So, you know, on to the next, but you know, I feel confident where we are and, and where we are going. You know, after you learn to put yourself together after 2016, I think, you know, one shot is not going to necessarily phase you. So, you know, for me, it's all about trusting the process. I mean, like I said, we got a good look. We missed it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the way that we're playing, the way that we're in the series right now, uh, we just have to continue to just do that and okay. get better. Well, he had a great look. I mean, it was just long. It wasn't left. It wasn't right. Um, as a shooter, that's the way you'd want to miss. Uh, and he had a good look. It was a good miss. So it is what it is. Uh, you move on. I think HB just went to set the pick and roll. We, we just wanted to flatten the defense out and say, hey, we're going to live with Fox shooting a ball, uh, HB decided to go set a pick and roll with, with, with Fox to get the switch. Um, got the switch, and we got a wide open three. And uh, I mean, that was just as much on us as, as it was anything else because we, we, we got a great look from, from one of our veterans, and we just ended up missing the shot. So now let me tell you the reason why, or reasons why, the Sacramento Kings did lose this game. First and foremost, after leading by four at halftime, putting putting together an excellent first half of Kings basketball to where, on one hand, I was like, this is the offense that the Sacramento Kings should be playing, right? Finally, the three-point shot was dropping. The Kings had a good pace. They had a good flow offensively. Like, it looked really, really good. It looked like Kings basketball. For the majority of this entire game, it looked like Kings basketball, with the exception of the third quarter, where the Kings had a four-point lead going into the third quarter and ended the third quarter down 10 after they were outscored 37-23. to the third quarter is where the Golden State Warriors won this game, or at the very, very, very least, completely turned the game around. However, the Sacramento Kings had an amazing start to the fourth quarter. I was really proud of how the Sacramento Kings started the fourth quarter, and how they, they looked like a veteran team. Right, you have. It's not just that the Kings were outscored and, and and went into the fourth quarter down ten to the defending champions in hostile territory. Think about how the third quarter ended. Right, that last possession, the Kings played excellent defense. The Warriors uh, moved the ball around the horn, results in a corner three for Key, uh, for Clay Thompson right here in this corner. He knocks down the shot to beat the buzzer. That's a back breaking bucket at the end of a really good quarter for a defending champion team that could have put the Kings away. On top of that. The Kings start the fourth quarter with De'Aaron Fox, who's been excellent the entire night. I think he had 21 points at halftime. De'Aaron Fox starts the fourth quarter on the bench. And the Kings come out to start the fourth quarter, go on an instantly a 7-0 run, end up putting together a 15-4 run with De'Aaron on the bench to take a 107-106 lead. Like that is what that is that kind of response is what veteran teams do on this stage. To do it 
on the road when you had to have it with your star on the bench getting the rest that he needed for uh, to have the energy to close out this game down the stretch. I loved that from the Sacramento Kings. It's not a moral victory to point that out and celebrate that. However, Kings go up 107-106, and Steph Curry, being the greatest shooter of all time and just an unbelievably phenomenal talent, scores five points in 14 seconds to kill that Kings run and Kings kill that Kings momentum real quick. I just want to say this about Steph Curry. I hate that the Kings have to go against him. Every time he touches the ball in a crucial situation, really anytime he touches the ball, period, I'm terrified because I think it's going in every single time we know he can pull up anywhere he wants on the floor. Mike Brown has been very consistent throughout this entire series saying you don't stop Steph Curry, you just try to make him work. But again, stepping away from Kings fandom, stepping away from rooting interest in this series, it is not hard to appreciate Steph Curry. He is unbelievable. And Kings fans, you can admit that and feel that way without it affecting your fandom in any way. We are all blessed to be able to watch Steph Curry play. He's changed the game of basketball. And, he, I mean, he did that a while ago. He's the greatest shooter ever. It's not close. And he's going to be one of those guys where when Steph Curry retires, I think Steph Curry's retirement is going to hit me harder than, like, LeBron James's retirement. And I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing to LeBron. It's just, to me... I've watched Steph Curry play so much, especially in person. I've been very uh, privileged to be able to watch Steph Curry play a lot in person. The way he's changed the game and just how phenomenal he is to watch when he is done. Of course, basketball is going to remember him forever. The NBA is going to remember him forever. I truly hope that he spends his entire career as a Golden State Warrior because I think that's really, really cool when stars do that. Same way like Kobe Bryant spent his entire career with the Los Angeles Lakers. When Steph Curry hangs it up and he's done... He's going to go down another one of those guys on that Mount Rushmore for me of guys that I brutally hated watching because they were just so damn good and killed the Kings so much. But I loved from just a basketball standpoint. So as I get off this side tangent with Steph Curry, I just want to express my appreciation for being able to watch him. And Kings fans, I hope you can appreciate what you're watching too, even if a lot of times it's at the expense of the Sacramento Kings uh, with, with what Steph is doing. Now, let's go back to why the Kings lost this game, okay? Steph Curry basically shuts down the Kings' great start to the fourth quarter, scores five points in 14 seconds to go from the Warriors being down one to Warriors being up four. At this point, final five, six minutes of this quarter, back and forth, very exciting, crucial possessions, except I counted three different possessions in the final few minutes of this game where the Kings could have either taken the lead or tied the game. And in all three possessions, the Kings turned the ball over. You can't do that at this stage. You can't do that in the playoffs. And you especially cannot do that on the road against the defending champions. That is where the Sacramento Kings lost this game. Not because Harrison Barnes missed a wide open three. The fact that the Kings had a chance to still win the game despite all the self-inflicted mistakes and wounds that they gave themselves in the fourth quarter when they had multiple chances to take the lead and swing momentum in their favor. That, those turnovers, is where they lost the game. Five fourth quarter turnovers for the Kings. Not all of them were when the Kings had a chance to take the lead or tie the ball game, but three of them absolutely were. 
Those are extremely painful for the Sacramento Kings to try and win and overcome. And I guarantee you, in the film sessions, whether it's tomorrow or when the Kings are preparing for Game 5, when they're looking back at this and going, damn, it was right there. Why didn't we close it out? It's because of those self-inflicted wounds. Some of them were, quite honestly, if we're, if we're being real, Malik Monk out of control. A couple bad decisions. In fact, I'm going to stop there because I want to play this sound clip for you. This is what stood out the most to me from Mike Brown's post-game press conference. Mike starts talking about how the Sacramento Kings were making really poor decisions in transition and were playing and begging for foul calls instead of making the right decisions in the moment which ended up really killing this team. This is what Mike focused on post-game more than anything else. Take a listen. You know, one of the things we have to do, but we, we want to play fast. So we're going to keep playing fast. But all of our guys are driving into two, three, sometimes three guys in transition and begging for a call. And I, you, you can't, you know, we can't continue to do that. And, you know, it's a great learning experience for our guys to be able to see because we wasted a ton of possessions in transition, driving and just throwing up some crazy stuff. And, you know, it, 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 space the floor, stop and spray the ball. And if we miss a wide open three, that is way better than driving and throwing up some crazy stuff because at the end of the day, this is what I keep telling our guys, you're not, you're going to have to knock these guys out. You can't rely on the referee because if I'm a referee, the shots that we're taking at the rim in transition, I ain't calling neither because you're begging for a foul. You can't drive to the rim and beg for a foul every single possession and then they run it back at us because they have a numbers advantage. We got to play the right way and, and when we're playing fast and we're, we didn't do a good job of that, in, especially in the second half. We had a lot of guys shoot some some, some tough, tough, tough shots begging for fouls at the rim and transition. Here's what I take away from this soundbite. And by the way, he brought this up multiple times throughout this press conference. That was the longest, first, most direct answer that he gave discussing the, the, the bad decision-making and, and playing begging for foul calls. But he brought it up multiple times over the course of his press conference. Here's what I took away from it. Mike can live with a missed game-winner attempt from Harrison Barnes even if that wasn't initially the play. Mike can live with that. Mike can live with the Sacramento Kings losing a one-point game in the playoffs, maybe a gotta-have-it game on the road against the defending champions. Mike can live losing. He can live with it. But what Mike can't live with is the Kings not playing to their capability not playing the way he says they're supposed to play and making mental mistakes that he knows they are, are, are better than. Not, he cannot live with the Sacramento Kings trying to win a basketball game on the road in the playoffs by baiting officials into calling fouls. He can't live with that. And I love what he said there in, the, uh, in that soundbite. He said, look, if I were the ref, I wouldn't have given us the call either because we were going and attacking the basket. We were looking for those, or we were taking those shots with the expectation that a whistle was going to be blown and a foul was going to be called. Not to score. We weren't attacking to try and finish. We were attacking to get to the foul line. And in the playoffs, that don't fly. And I, I agree with Mike. 
The Kings made too many mistakes down the stretch where they were quite frankly foul baiting instead of taking the right shots, instead of slowing it down, or as Mike was saying, <laughs> if the fast break was broken or defensively that they got stopped, slow it down, spray it out, set up. You had time, multiple opportunities to win this or to take the lead or to tie the game up. And every single time you screwed it up by trying to do a little too much, by trying to force the issue or force the referee's hand instead of playing your game. It is time for our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. I'm very excited to say that Keegan Murray is the Player of the Week. He had a rough week until Sunday, the very end, but as we're going to talk about more in just a little bit in this podcast, Keegan Murray finally emerged and had that breakout game that we've been waiting for. But it's not just what he did on the offensive end, it's what he did on the defensive end, it's his decision-making, it's his attacking the, uh, the, the glass and trying to grab rebounds. Uh, Keegan it was brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. He was so many things that you could also use to describe the 2023 Nissan Aria. It packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who simply love to drive. You can shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, this is something that's actually pretty important to me. Therapy is something that I started uh, during the pandemic. And before the pandemic, I always thought, you know, my problems aren't big enough for therapy. Therapy uh, can't really help me or, or I, I, don't, I don't need therapy necessarily. And also kind of had that ne- negative stigma that I know a lot of people think of therapy and go, like, I, I don't need that. I'm not that sick or I'm not that messed up or I'm not, my, my problems aren't that big uh, for therapy therapy. Well, I'm telling you, give therapy a try because it's one of the best things that I did. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, you got to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It's really important for you to find the right therapist. I found mine. He and I have had a great connection, a great relationship now uh, for the last three years. He is essential to the success of my mental health, the success of my career, the success of my marriage. That's what therapy can do for you. Visit betterhealth.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash locked on NBA. Keegan came out of the, the, the gate aggressive and the Sacramento Kings were clearly looking for him. It was great to see him hit. I think he hit his, his, his first couple of shots. There was also a, a moment where Keegan got a dunk in transition off of a DeMontis Sabonis steal. Uh, Keegan established himself early. The Sacramento Kings as a whole were hitting shots early on, which Keegan and the entire team, of course, uh, benefited from. But Keegan was getting that DHO action through DeMontis Sabonis that he likes to run so much. He was going right at Clay Thompson, at times going right at Andrew Wiggins without any fear, he was playing with a rhythm, And what I really want to point out is that Keegan Murray's decision-making tonight was not that of a rookie. He did not look like a rookie with the decisions that he was making, whether it was to put the ball on the ground and work his way to a mid-range jumper at the top of the key, and he had a couple of them in this game, whether it was just taking that catch-and-shoot that was available or passing out of a 
uh, a good look to maybe get a, a better look or to not force things, right? Attacking the basket, recognizing, okay, I'm facing a, 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 a tough blanketed defense. A double team is looming. I'm going to pass the ball out. I'm going to get rid of this. Or getting an offensive rebound or getting a defensive rebound and making the right outlet pass or finding the open man. Keegan Murray just read and reacted to the game very, very well. So I'm almost just as impressed by that as a rookie getting extended minutes against the defending champions in a very important game four as I am with him finally hitting the shots and and doing what we know he's capable of doing. After game three, I said, look, Keegan needs to simplify things. The Kings need to simplify things for Keegan. Keegan, what you do is you space the floor and you hit shots. That is what you do. Get back to that. Well, he got back to that, and then he showed how, how he could take his game beyond just the simple, basic shot-making capability that he has to putting the ball on the floor, crashing the glass, making the right decisions, getting teammates involved, reacting to what the defense is giving him. And then I thought defensively, while he didn't do phenomenal or shut anybody down, I thought he made Clay Thompson work. At times, I thought he made Jordan Poole work, which is sometimes all you can ask for out of a rookie against a really, really good offensive team when the Warriors were having a great offensive night. So again, proud parent. I was just gushing about the way that Keegan Murray was playing. A shame that the Kings lost the game in which Keegan Murray had that breakout, but it was awesome to see. De'Aaron Fox. I'm sounding like a broken record at this point. I told you, and I've been telling you for years here on this podcast, and many of you are just new to the podcast or just started listening this year over the last couple months. You're amazing. Understand that Last year, two years ago, 2018, 2017, 2016, when I was hosting this Locked on Kings podcast, I said, look, the Sacramento Kings only need the playoff stage for De'Aaron Fox to elevate himself to that status that so many other guards that we talk about all the time, uh, for him to get that attention that those guards get. As soon as De'Aaron Fox got this stage, I knew he was going to shine. And here he is shining, going toe-to-toe and putting up nearly identical numbers to Steph Curry. Look at the numbers in this series. They're averaging, I think, damn near the exact same. I think it's like 31 points per game each. Now, Steph Curry has a better three-point shooting percentage, but De'Aaron Fox hit a massively clutch three-pointer to give the Kings a chance to win this game at the very, very end. De'Aaron, I think, had, what, four or five threes uh, in, in tonight's game, so he's added that to his game. He's such a dynamic offensive weapon, had 12 points uh, in the fourth quarter, clutch player of the year. Like, De'Aaron has just been so incredible, had 38 points tonight, nine rebounds, five assists. He needed this stage to finally become a household name, and, and he's done it, or he should be. And there are so many people that are just now taking notice of De'Aaron Fox and what he's capable of, and I tell you, He's been doing this. Maybe not to this level. Maybe not on this brightest stage. Maybe not when, like, this year has been special on another level compared to years past. But De'Aaron has shown the capability to do this for years in Sacramento. You just haven't been paying attention because he plays for the Kings and because the Kings haven't gotten to this point until just now. De'Aaron Fox is playing incredible. And also, there was a moment that I love from De'Aaron Fox, where Fox really showed some leadership in this game. Keegan Murray, in the first half, attacks the basket. Draymond Green comes over and hits Keegan Murray in the face. Some people thought it was a, an intentional eye poke. Whatever. We've, we've, we've dealt with enough drama about Draymond Green intentionally trying to hurt people or not. I'm not going to go that far. I caught the whole entire thing on camera, and I saw the contact made, and, and you can see Keegan drops to the floor, 
uh, De'Aaron and DeMontis Sabonis go, both go up to Keegan to make sure he's okay. He's kind of taking his time getting up, but has his hand around his face. And Draymond Green comes over and is, is telling or signaling to the referee that, that Keegan traveled. Well, you can. I'm actually. If you're watching this podcast, I should be playing the, uh, the 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 footage of this moment for you right now. If you watch it closely, you can see that Draymond Green comes over and says something to Keegan. I don't know what he says. I have no idea if it was an insult. I have no idea what it was. He says something to Keegan because De'Aaron Fox reacts. De'Aaron Fox hears it, turns, and gets right into the face of Draymond Green, and the two start jawing at each other. And it goes for an extended period of time to a point where both where the officials have to call technical fouls on each player. Like, that is De'Aaron Fox standing up for his rookie. I'm not going to say De'Aaron, De, uh, that uh, Draymond Green instigated it or that... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make any kind of point like that. It's not even a anti-Draymond Green thing. I'm just pointing out and describing what I witnessed and what I shot that happened, and you can clearly see Draymond say something directed at Keegan, who he just hit in the face, and it's De'Aaron Fox who reacts. It's De'Aaron Fox who stands up for his rookie and gets in Draymond's face. And Draymond and De'Aaron are cool. De'Aaron went on Draymond's podcast maybe a couple months ago or something like that. Like, they have, there's a respect factor there. So it's not like these guys don't like each other. But De'Aaron stood up for his rookie, got in the face of Draymond Green in that moment. I thought it was really, really cool. While we're talking about individual players, really quickly, I want to squeeze in love for Davion Mitchell. Because if you listen to me, if you were with me here on Locked on Kings over the course of the season, you know there was a decent stretch of time where we were questioning what Mitchell's role was with this team. We were questioning his offensive output. We know what he can always bring defensively, but it just didn't seem like Davion knew his fit. And I'm not just saying this because I just did an interview with Davion uh, yesterday during practice before Game 4. And if you missed that, you can go to yesterday's podcast and, and listen to that interview. Uh, we talked about guarding Steph Curry and playing in the playoffs and, and, and yada, yada, yada. I'm not just saying this because I just had an interaction with the guy. I think Davion Mitchell has been phenomenal in this series. Offensively tonight, had some really big moments, especially in the fourth quarter when the Kings were making that early run with De'Aaron Fox on the bench. Had 12 points, 5 of 8 shooting from the field, 1 assist, 1 steal, played excellent defense uh, on uh, on um, Steph Curry. And look, part of the reason why Kevin Herter had the bad night that he had, he only took 4 shots, it's because Kevin Herter needed to be out of the game. So Malik Monk, or rather, for Dave, so Davion Mitchell could be in the game to handle uh, guarding Steph Curry and doing his best and playing as many minutes as he could trying to contain number 30. Davion's doing about as well as you could ask anybody to do against the greatest shooter of all time. I think Davion's been excellent in this series, and it's been great to see. Another focus, uh, thing that we focused on a lot after the Kings' loss uh, in Game 3 was what I call... Uh, the, the, the battles in the trenches of the box score, right? We focused a lot on the Kings getting killed on the offensive glass in Game 3, resulting in a lot, a lot of second-chance opportunities for the Warriors. We talked about the Kings turning the ball over too much, leading to a lot of points off of turnovers for the Warriors. And we talked about the bench of the Warriors, or the role players, not named Curry and, and, and Clay uh, and, and, and Wiggins, the, no, the non-big-name Warriors players, really beating the Kings and, 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 and giving the Kings all that they could handle. Tonight, the Kings did an excellent job in the battles in the trenches. They did enough in those areas for the Kings to win this game. And that's how the Kings won game one and game two is by winning these battles in the trenches of the box score. The Kings won the offensive rebounds battle 12-8. to 
18 to 11 second chance point advantage. However, one thing I do need to point out, the Warriors had seven of their eight offensive rebounds in the second half. A lot of those came in the third quarter when they were making their push and making their run. So when the Kings struggled, that's when the Warriors had their best quarter. So the Kings, while they did win the offensive rebound battle, for seven offensive rebounds and eight second chance points to come in the second half compared to how well the Kings did in the first half keeping the Warriors off the offensive glass, maybe that's the reason why uh, the Kings uh, kind of fell apart there in that third quarter in particular. How about only 10 Kings turnovers in this game and only 15 Warrior points off those 10 turnovers. You would like those uh, Warrior points off turnovers to be less than that. 15 points is a big deal, especially in a loss, but a lot better than it was in Game 3. And finally, the Warriors had just 20 bench points. Now keep in mind, Draymond Green came off the bench. He did not start in this game. Draymond Green had 12 points. So with the exception of Draymond Green, that means Dante DiVincenzo had three points, Moses Moody had three points, uh, Gary Payton the second had two points, Jonathan Kaminga didn't score. Like, that's what I'm talking about from the Sacramento Kings containing those role players that had, I mean, DiVincenzo had a great game, Moody had a great game, Kaminga had a great game. Those guys did a really good job against the Sacramento Kings in Game 3. The Kings did a good job with their bench outscoring the Warriors bench, containing those guys. Again, they did things in these trenches of the box score, these little hustle things that they needed to do to win this game. They just couldn't get enough stops against the Warriors and just couldn't hit that big uh, game-winning three. This episode of the Long Time Kings podcast is also brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts for your car or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part that you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that that part will fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So here we go. The series is tied two games apiece, heading back to Sacramento for Game 5 on Wednesday. The Kings... I'm not going to say they wasted their 2-0 start, but what you've done is you've let the defending champs right back into this series. Some expected that to happen with how good the Warriors have been at home this season and how much they've struggled on the road. That being said, Game 5, in my opinion, is a must-win for the Sacramento Kings. You do not, under any circumstances, feel good about giving the defending champions a chance to close out this series on their uh, own home floor in Game 6. If the Kings win Game 5, they go into Game 6 guaranteed to either win the game on the road and, and win the series on the road or have one more home game to try and close things out in Game 7. And I'll say this, if this series goes 7 games, I would say that plays into the advantage of the Golden State Warriors. But you would much rather take a Game 7 win or go home opportunity on your home floor than coming into Game 6 down one in hostile territory where the defending champs have been so, so good needing to win or your season is over. Game 5 is going to be massive. Of course, the crowd is going to be amazing. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. But the Sacramento Kings need to continue the trend from this series, which is the home team defending home floor. 
Game five is pivotal in so many ways. How do the Kings win game five? Well, they continue to do what they did tonight and in games one and two, win those battles in the trenches of the box score. The Kings have to get good performances and guys need to step up. Crucial guys need to step up. I'm talking about DeMontis Sabonis. Had 14.7 rebounds, eight assists tonight. Not a horrible stat line, but Sabonis has not looked like himself at any point during the series. Credit to Kevon Looney. Credit to Draymond Green. Credit to the Golden State Warriors. They've done an amazing job, a much better job against Sabonis than I thought they were going into this series. And I've had to kind of eat my words uh, on that a little bit. Kevin Herter, two points. One of four shooting from the field. Not good enough. Malik Monk was excellent in games one and games two. Has struggled a little bit in games three and games four here. The Kings need that Malik Monk six-man presence off of the bench. Harrison Barnes, bounce back. You don't have to score 15-plus points, but bounce back. Provide that consistent, steady, veteran presence. The Kings really need veteran guys to step up if they're going to win this series. Because you look at the guys that stepped up in tonight's game, Fox, Mitchell, Murray. These are guys that have not been on this stage before, and they've been doing their job. So the Kings are going to need some veteran output. And also, the, the Warriors at some point are going, I mean, they have a revitalized energy. They know how important winning Game 5 is. They want, of course, to give themselves a chance to close this series out at home in Game 6. And they're also thinking about a long-term run. Remember, th this team is thinking about championships, right? They're not just thinking about making it to the next round. So they would rather a series end in six games instead of seven, right? The Warriors would love to win four straight after losing the first two games and sending the, uh, the, the exciting team uh, packing. So there's going to be a storm. There's going to be a push from the Warriors in that game. You have to weather that storm and be able to overcome it. I love the Kings' chances in Game 5. My prediction is the Kings will win Game 5 and will be back here with the Warriors' backs against the wall again uh, in Game 6. I'm, of course, going to be at Game 5 in Sacramento. I'll be here for Game 6, maybe back in Sacramento for Game 7. Whatever it is, no matter what, Kings are in the playoffs, the playoffs are over. Whatever it is, offseason, next regular season, preseason, of course, we'll have your coverage right here for you on Locked On Kings. I met some of you Kings fans here at the Chase Center. You were amazing. Also met some Warriors fans who knew who I was, and you were very hospitable to me, and I appreciate that very, very much. It's been a fun series so far. Can't wait for it to continue in Sacramento on Wednesday. I appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.